the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello and welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast. I am Nia Marshall and today we are lucky to be joined by Eleanor Johnson. She was the past publicity officer of the Association of Gray's Inn Students and the podcast host of Raising the Bar during 2019 to 2020. Eleanor is also a Gray's Inn Residential Scholar and Edmund Davies Scholar. And she's a future pupil barrister and her pupillage will commence in September 2021. Eleanor, how does it feel to be an interviewee? You're on the other side of the mic. Yeah, hi. It it does feel, um, I can kind of understand why the guests felt quite nervous. It feels so different. (laughs) I almost went into the introduction just there, so I'm glad you did it. Well, thank you for joining. And as you know, today we are going to be talking about what to do in the year in between getting an offer and starting pupillage. So let's begin uh, today before we delve into the substantive matter, discussing your educational experience. So Eleanor, could you kindly give us an overview of your educational experience? Yeah, sure. So I went to school in Essex and from there I studied law at Oxford where in terms of the bar I did a lot of mooting and I really got stuck into the bar society, which I know makes me sound like a really fun person. And um, I also did lots of other things, so did a few shows despite not being the best thing in the world um, as part of some access initiatives. And whilst I was at university I applied to Grey's Inn and I applied for the bar course. The following year, I studied the bar course at the University of Law in Bloomsbury. That was in person until March, but then for obvious reasons, that became remote. That was a really enjoyable experience because we were in the same class every day. And so you really got to know people despite actually only being physically with them for a few months. And there was a lot of advocacy experience and they have a really good pro bono scheme, which meant that I was able to represent real clients in family law matters, which was an invaluable experience. And I also did some other sort of pro bono during that time, like the Grey's in Vocalise scheme where you can teach in prisons. And during the bar course, I applied for pupillage. And as you mentioned, I begin that in September of this year. Now, Ellen, I don't know if you noticed, but you indirectly started to give some hints and tips and what people can do to strengthen their pupillage (laughs) applications. And that's exactly what we're going to speak about very briefly here. Now, we do know that you have experience successfully applying for pupillage. So while you're here, we're going to pick your brain a bit and get some of those top tips for pupillage (laughs) applications, both in the oral and written stage. Go for it. (laughs) Sure thing. Um, I think my overarching message for applying for pupillage is that it's intense and it is a lot of hard work, but you also have to keep it in perspective. And I think it's really easy, especially on the bar course where everybody's applying for pupillage and everyone wants the same thing. It's very easy for it to become the be all and end all. But you have to stay confident in your own abilities. You have to keep going. And if it works well, amazing. That's great. If it doesn't, you've just got to keep resilient because... It is a tough process and I think you just have to go in with the mindset that you will get there, whether it's this year, whether it's next year. In terms of sort of more specific points, for the written applications, I say I have six headline points. So my first step in any applications, be this scholarship, pupillage, a job, is to list all the qualities you think they're looking for. So maybe that's advocacy, resilience, drafting, uh, people skills, 
all of those qualities that you think they might want to see in your application. And then really do your research into that chambers. So get to know the ethos, get to know what kind of um, areas of law they do, what kind of cases they specialize in. And then once you've done all of that, write out all of the experience that you have. So this might be um, legal experience, it might be stuff like mooting, it might be mini pupillages, but it might be things that you wouldn't necessarily think of from the outset. So working um, in a cafe or working in a shop or just any non-law related experience, but write all of that down and don't disregard any of it at that point. And then from that, look at how each of those experiences can be used as evidence for the qualities they're looking for. And I was often surprised about which experiences I found myself using. Things like uh, even uh, I used to work as a waitress and that really shows people skills. So always make sure when you're writing replications that your points are backed up by evidence as barristers would back up any assertion they make with evidence from the case. You need to do that in your application as well. My other tip would be to put your strongest example first and to get to the point from the outset, which perhaps I really haven't shown in this answer. Um, but um, I would say always make sure that they can't miss what you're saying because barristers are reading through these applications at the end of a long working day. You know, they don't take time off to read these applications and you need to make it as easy as possible for them to spot your main points. And that might be from including it at the beginning of the paragraph or maybe even through your structure, like bullet points. Just make it as easy as possible to see the best points that you're making. And then finally, once you've done all of that, draft it and draft it again and show it to other people because by the time you've read your answer 50 times, you you just can't read it anymore. So <laughs> that's, that's my tips for written applications. And in terms of the interview, I would say there are also six headline points. So firstly, think about your application the application that you gave to that chambers and make sure you know it inside out. So for example, if you mentioned any cases, make sure you refresh your knowledge of those because that's something that the interviewers can use to ask you questions from. Secondly, I'd look at potential legal questions. So read into the area of law that you're applying to, look at their recent cases and look at big cases in their area. Some areas, especially like ones like family, which you might not have studied before, they won't expect you to know all the areas of family law in great detail but it will really help if you know those concepts and if you know what's going on at that moment in time. Then I think I'd look at recent news so not necessarily related to the law but chambers might ask you questions that are based on current affairs just to see how you argue something and I think you will feel much more confident going into that if you know roughly what's going on in the news which I know with everything else, uh, with pupillage, with the bar course, with work, it can be quite tricky. Um, but just sort of a basic awareness of what's going on can be really sort of boost your confidence going into that. Then, of course, you've got the specific task they might have asked you to do. Maybe you've got to write an opinion. Maybe you've got to prepare a bail app. And finally, um, some general interview questions. So just um, even just Googling common interview questions will come up with some sort of personality style questions and, and questions that aren't necessarily based in the law but I don't know they might ask you what your biggest strength is for example and just having a think about those answers can really boost your confidence going into the interview that's my my top tips for the written and the interviews definitely some brilliant uh, top tips and and we do know people will be implementing those and hopefully succeeding 
Now, Alana, uh, we know that you had a gap year between receiving your offer for pupillage and starting pupillage. Now, sometimes persons often wonder, what should I do with that time? So what prompted you to apply to be a paralegal during your gap year? I wanted to have some sort of practical experience of the area of law that I'm going into. So I'll be practicing practicing family law, particularly divorce. And although I studied it at undergrad and I studied it on the bar course, I think there's no replacement really for that practical experience. So I wanted to see how it worked with real clients. And um, it also just gives you the opportunity to see the law from the side of a solicitor. So I've, I've always been very focused on the bar and I hadn't really seen how solicitors work in practice. And that was really, really enlightening. They have the case from day one. They know the case inside out. I think on the bar course, you get given obviously a pretend brief, but you're, you're not really told what goes into that brief before you're given it. And it's a lot. And um, I think working as a paralegal has made me realise the other the, the steps that are involved in a case. I think that's that's very important because then when you go on to be a barrister, you can appreciate the steps uh, involved and, and really have a strong understanding on on how far the case has reached. So what is the nature of your work uh, right now? So I've got um, a nice variety of work as a paralegal. It ranges from, um, I might research into legal points of law, legal points of law, you know what I mean, um, <laughs> drafting documents where I don't say things like legal points of law. But I might also do things like, I do quite a lot of putting bundles together. Actually, that links quite well to what you were saying about appreciating the work that's gone into it. I, before, I was leaning more towards the what the solicitors were doing, but I will never um, underappreciate an e-bundle, let's put it that way. They, uh, <laughs> it takes a long time to put all those things together and impaginate them. So yeah, it's, it's a nice variety from the sort of just putting papers together to really getting stuck in in points of law. Um, I also attend client calls and conferences and hearings, which has been invaluable because you just get to see this area of law from a really practical point and you get to see the interactions with the clients. I'm also very lucky in that being a paralegal they allow you to go to all of their training and so you get to have a real insight into that area of law and they include you in all the background of the cases and things like that. Now would you say that this role um, as a paralegal provided you with a sense of real responsibility and, and the chance to utilize all your technical legal skills that you would have gathered along the way during your educational experiences? You do have responsibility as a paralegal. And I think even when you're doing things like putting papers together, it's important to remember that this is for a real person and this is for a real case. And each of those documents is included for a reason. Um, having said that, it's obviously not as much as when you have your own cases. I think, as I said, this is really enabled me to see the more practical area of the law so I have been able to put into practice some skills from undergrad especially things like research and um, time management and all that kind of thing and drafting but I think the the real benefit from this is seeing that client care and knowing how the timelines work knowing about things like interactions with the other side things that you just don't get to see from a theoretical point of view. Now aside from 
the understanding truly what goes into the preparation of, of the bundles and the e-bundles. Do you think there are any transferable skills that you have obtained that you will definitely carry into to pupillage and ultimately your time as a barrister? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a big one is interactions with clients. And obviously you don't get that experience until you're seeing the area of law in practice. And just seeing how a lot of clients in, in area, any area of law will be having quite a difficult time in their lives. Obviously, they're going to court. Um, it's very stressful. It's something that they're not used to doing, regardless of the situation. And so seeing how legal professionals manage that and how they calm their clients down and how they deal with their expectations and how they help them when the case has gone well or maybe when it hasn't gone as well as they wanted it to, I think that is something that I will definitely take into practice, that, yeah, the client care. And we know how invaluable client care is. Um, I think it comes part and parcel to providing a, a competent standard of service, uh, which, you know, <laughs> has been kind of etched <laughs> into our brains from since uh, the bar course time. <laughs> now, for our listeners, how important do you think it is to obtain a role as a paralegal uh, before you commence pupillage in the particular area of law uh, in which you will start your, your pupillage? I think it's beneficial, but not essential. So it's beneficial in that you get to learn the specifics of your area of law. So for example, I now know what the different forms mean and I know the different timings and the timelines and um, I've seen sort of recurring themes within cases that you can you can pick up on however I think the skills that you'd get from any um, paralegaling would be very beneficial so as I mentioned the client care the procedures the decisions about tactics you can pick all of that up um, from any area of law so I think um, it's beneficial regardless of whether or not it's the area that you're going into given that we've kind of wrapped up our, our discussion on on pursuing some kind of paralegal employment in that gap what other activities do you think students should participate in while awaiting uh, the start of, of their pupillage I think overall you should probably focus on whatever interests you pupillage is an intense year and I've heard a lot of people say that the most important thing is that you go into it not being exhausted um, because you do need your energy for focusing on this year I think Activities that students want to participate in, I guess, just depends what you want out of the year. If you want the practical legal experience, you could do something like paralegaling or maybe apply for the law commission or any kind of legal role. However, equally, I think it's very beneficial to have something like a holiday, just having a nice time, having a relax, making sure you're recharged before pupillage. And you can always combine that with just reading around the law, making sure that you're sort of up to date with that area. So, no, I don't, I don't think you need to do something like paralegaling in the year beforehand unless you want to. Are you going to uh, have a set period to kind of switch off between uh, ending your paralegaling role and commencing pupillage? I do actually. Um, I finished my paralegal role at the end of this month which is coming around really quickly oh, and I've got about yeah. six weeks to do something. Obviously with the current situation kind of hard to know what. So it could be uh it could be Spain, it could be South End, we shall see. Oh, very um, nice. Six weeks to do something. 
six weeks to wind down and, and prepare, mentally prepare again for pupillage. <laughs> <laughs> now, we know throughout uh, our journey, most of us as aspiring barristers, we always get the advice that we should probably start to undertake any activities uh, based on remedying any gaps in our CVs. Do you think um, that given that persons would have obtained pupillage already, that this is necessarily essential if they want to reevaluate their CV and then uh, apply for work experience based on any gaps that they think that they, they need fill in? I think if if they want to do that, it's a good idea. Yeah, like like for me, I really wanted this practical family law experience, um, especially in divorce. And obviously, a lot of us are going to the bar because we enjoy it. So we probably enjoy doing advocacy and things like that. Having said that, I don't think it's essential. I think having spoken to quite a few people, like I said, it's really important to make sure you're recharged and, and re-energised for pupillage. So um, I wouldn't spend the year stressing about gaps in your CV necessarily. Now, I know we would have touched on it um, before when you were speaking about transferable skills um, that you'd be able to take from working um, in your role as a paralegal. But what are the benefits do you think students or aspiring barristers would derive from engaging in legal activities before the commencement of pupillage? I think for me, I'm quite glad that Um, It's kept my mind focused on this area of the law. It is quite hard to keep up with legal developments when you're very far away from them. And I think it's sort of made sure that I've remembered stuff, (laughs) which is always, always good before pupillage. (laughs) Yeah, having said that, I don't think you necessarily, like I said, I don't think necessarily need to be a paralegal in order to do that, but it has made it easier. No, I think we've spoken enough on what students can do potentially in that in that gap year but for those of us or those aspiring barristers who do have a gap year uh, because they've been unfortunately unsuccessful in obtaining pupillage and are just awaiting the next cycle of applications what kind of activities do you think they should they should participate in do you think they differ from the activities that we just spoke about earlier um, I think it's an opportunity to reflect on your applications and to reflect on what you think might strengthen them. You mentioned earlier, sort of filling gaps in CVs. But having said that, I don't think your whole year needs to be really, really focused on that. A year is such a long time and you can add so much to your experience in a year that it doesn't necessarily have to be something like a paralegal role or a very legal focused job if you don't want it to be. If you do want to do that, I think it's an excellent experience. Um, I think it could really strengthen your application. But you can also do things like finding voluntary experiences and, and things like that that really boost your CV. And I think it's also important to remember, like I said right at the beginning, that um, it is an odd process. And people who are more than deserving of pupillage might not get it for whatever odd random reason. So it might not be that your application even needs much added to it but obviously if you have a year you might as well so yeah I think um, it's a good opportunity to strengthen your CV but I don't think you need to devote your every day of of the whole year to doing that (laughs) I think that's that's helpful um, to some of us who are perfectionists and just probably thought they'd just (laughs) a lot of people at the bar are (laughs) yeah just dedicate the rest of the time just doing that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slaving away, trying to, to fill 
fill any gaps that we think are, are glaring. Now, we just spoke about filling gaps in our CVs, but sometimes, unfortunately, you yourself might not be able to, to identify those gaps. So how do you think persons should really go about determining which activities should should be pursued um, in, in an effort to enhance their CV? I think something that was incredibly helpful in the run-up to pupil applications was speaking to members of the inn for mock interviews and to the careers advisor at University of Law, who really could take an objective look at your application and could spot what they really liked about it and what they think needed improving. And like you said, when you're looking at your own application, sometimes it's really hard to do that. So from the outset, actually as early as possible, I would show your application to somebody like that. There's always people in the inn who are willing to help. The inn is, is such a great resource and everybody's so um, keen to help other people join the profession. And just ask them what they think could strengthen your application. And then from there, you have a really long time to build up evidence to show those skills. So maybe that would be quite a good way to sort of direct where your year goes, whether that be through a job or through voluntary experience um, or any other experience, really. And ultimately, Eleanor, I know some some students struggle to to find opportunities. What do you think uh, persons can do or how can persons find jobs or volunteer opportunities which they think would target these these set gaps? Yeah, of course. And I think at the moment, especially the job market isn't great. And so I'm not going to say, oh, you need to find the most perfect job for the role that you want, because unfortunately that might not be possible. But that's okay because, as we said earlier, you can get transferable skills from so many different jobs in different areas. So I think probably the first port of call would be speaking to your bar course provider or your university or the inn. But I know my bar course provider had like a whole employability portal which put up a load of adverts for jobs that people could apply to. And a lot of them were law focused, um, which was a great opportunity. And I know there's quite a few people who have got jobs through that. Um, if you are in between your bar course or whatever and pupillage and you've got a year in between in that way, you could try and talk to your chambers and see if they have any recommendations of places that might have vacancies. You can also, in terms of volunteering, just Google voluntary charities like the Free Representation Unit and see if they're looking for advocates. And um, also just thinking outside the box, perhaps there's something in your local area, like a volunteering experience, which might not initially look like a legal experience, but which actually has a lot of really transferable skills. So I think there are a lot of resources available, especially through the bar course providers, universities, the inn, perhaps your chambers, that you can speak to to get some ideas. Thank you, Eleanor. This has been a very informative session and I'm happy to have had the privilege of of interviewing you and and putting you into the hot seat today. (laughs) No, thank you so much. It was... um... Yeah, it's, it's a very different experience being a guest, but you obviously are a wonderful interviewer, so uh, I felt right at ease. <laughs> oh, thank you. You smashed it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at Raising the Bar GI.